Hey everyone, welcome to the Good News Podcast. Uh, today we are having a conversation with someone who I, I marvel at what has happened in this individual's life and the way that she's able to express hope through her own life story, the story of transformation. This is Carrie Kasabowski, and uh, Carrie recently got a new heart. She had a heart transplant, and uh, we get to hear in depth about not only health growing up and 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 all that led to this moment in time where she needed to get a heart transplant, but but also um, behind the scenes, uh, her her life and those that have supported her over over the years. You know, it's it's cool because we brought Carrie on to this conver- into this conversation because we wanted to acknowledge her as an unsung hero, someone who's shown great resiliency, someone who who we're inspired by, who we see God's miraculous healing and, and, and activity in her life. And and Carrie was very quick to point out, no, 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 it's it's unsung heroes that have been around me, that have supported me. Um, so I think I think you're gonna be really it just encouraged, inspired, have our eyes open to the number of people who have been unsung heroes in this unsung hero's life. Friends, get ready, fasten your seatbelts. This is a good one. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the uh, Good News Podcast. We are uh, doing a, a summer series called Unsung Heroes, and uh, this this, as I said in the intro, this is going to be a conversation that, that I think is going to bless all of us, every single one of us. Um, this is Carrie Kasabowski, and uh, Carrie, so grateful for you, for your life, and that you're able to share a bit of your story here today. Thank you. Let's, let's jump in. You, you've been literally given a new heart. And, yes, uh, a just new life. What an inc- a new life and a new heart, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But tell us a l- little bit about how this all transpired. And, and Yeah. So I was born with a congenital heart disease called transposition of the great arteries. Mm. Uh, My blood would not oxygenate, and they had to do a major surgery called a mustard procedure Mm. in 1975 when I was four years old. Um, That was a seven-hour surgery uh, to correct, they called it correct, um, the flow of blood so I wouldn't be a blue baby anymore. Mm. And... I lived all my life with my heart basically beating the wrong way. So my right ventricle did all the work, which is the smaller ventricle. It should be it should be sending blood to your lungs instead it was sending all the blood through my body hmm. while my left did the the work of the right. And what happens is is that because the right's doing all that work it starts to enlarge and it starts to fail. Hmm. Um they thought I would make it to 20 or any of us who wow. has this this condition, yeah. they gave us to 20, but then we started reaching 30 and 40. So they had to get teams together to follow congenital heart patients in adulthood. Mm. And that's when I started going to Toronto General and they started watching me very closely. Um, and then they decided that in 2022, it was time for transplant. Mm. Wow. So your life expectancy was 20 years old when yes. you were growing up. Yeah. Um that that's that just seems so challenging and, and a difficult space to be in. What was what was that that like for you? Well, funny thing is I didn't find out until I was 24. Oh, perfect. <laughs> because my mom didn't tell me. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you know, like my parents always said I was fixed 
and they treated me like a regular kid. Mm. You know, I took horseback riding lessons, dance lessons. I did everything mm. that a normal kid could do. Okay, yeah. And I lived a normal life, Yeah. you know, yeah. and I never had any problems. It wasn't until I was 24 and I went to uh, Toronto General for a yearly checkup and the doctors were just floored by the stuff I could do, you know, because mm. I was going dancing with friends every night. You know, not that I was a party girl. I always was the DD because I wasn't a drinker, <laughs> okay. but I liked to dance. Sure. And, uh, you know, I was doing that. I was hiking. I was I was working a physical job at Sears, you know, stocking shelves okay. and merchandising. Yep. And they're like, I don't understand how you can do this, you know, like, and they told me and I was devastated because mm. now I'm thinking I'm a ticking time bomb, mm. right? Mm -hmm. And then I soon forgot about it because, you know, you know, young people yeah, you, are just like, well, whatever. Yeah. Live, live, for, to, live <laughs> yeah. for today. Live your life, right? right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't until yeah. I got pregnant with my son, Matthew, that I really started having some heart issues. Mm. Like um, I fainted at work because my heart went up to about 200 beats per minute. Mm. Um, it was like an atrial fibrillation. Um, and then after I had Matthew, I just, I had nothing but like weird arrhythmias and stuff from, you know, basically 28 years old onwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Just thinking back to growing up still, uh, your, your, for your parents, uh, what, what was, what was this like for them? Because it must've been, you know, to, to, to have their child be in a situation where there's not much that they could do. But just sort of let it play out and love her and support her. Like, yeah, that must. How was how was all of that for them? From from what you know. Well, um, so I was put up for adoption, and my birth mother was told that there was a family waiting for me. I don't know if they lied or the family backed out because they found out how sick I was. Uh. I spent the first month of my life in sick kids by myself as an infant, and then I was. Uh, given to a family of British expats uh, that did foster care. They were older and they wanted to adopt me. They actually had to fight the courts because back then things weren't inclusive like they are now. So there was an age limit. So my parents had to actually fight to adopt me. Mm. And it was thought because I had less than a 50% chance, 50 chance of surviving the, the mustard procedure that maybe they should just let my parents because nobody else wanted me. Mm. So my parents adopted me and I made it through the operation. And, you know, they were so great. They were, you know, my mom never left my bedside. She mm. never left the hospital. Mm. I was there seven weeks. My dad would come after work and visit every day after work. And he was a tool and die maker. So he was mm. on his feet for 10 hours mm. a day. Yeah. 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 So incredible. Oh yeah. Incredible. You know, I, I, it's interesting because I was saying, Carrie, before we started that, that really, you know, we, we see you as an unsung hero, what you've lived through, what you've survived. And we're going to talk a bit more about that because yeah. this transplant was such a huge deal, but you quickly pointed to other people who are the unsung heroes. It's interesting. I, I, I thought that was really, yeah, because, really you know, cool. Like, and I think about I your just, parents like that. Like, oh certainly. yeah. 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 No, no. And my sisters, my sisters, yeah. you know, they they took good care of me too, and uh, you know my parents have passed on now. Mm. I I am in touch with my birth mother, mm. and she's very supportive. But because she wasn't there during the operation, there was a lot like during my first operation sure. when yeah. I was a kid, 
there's a lot of stuff she didn't understand mm. and it was very hard for her. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, that's, it is what it is, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see myself as a hero because I've lived with this all my life, mm. you know? A lot of people say, why me when something happens like mm. that? You know, why was I born like this? And, and, and are bitter about it. But I thought like, why not me? Mm. You know, mm. God chose me for a reason mm. to, mm. to carry this on my shoulders. Mm. And mm. I think it's because he knew that I'd have strength and poise. But mm. mm. let's love your spirit, love your attitude. Thanks. Hey, hey, Carrie, my goodness, it's very moving. Um, <laughs> so things came to a point where you needed a, a transplant and, and walk us through that process if you would, because that's, that's quite a process and there's a, a waiting period and you're not sure what's going to happen, though you need it. It's, there's yep. never any guarantees. Um, we hear these stories um, and, and I think we all know that sometimes it doesn't work out for people. It's true. And so grateful that it has for you. But Thank maybe you. kind of walk us through uh, this, yeah, sure. how, how it all happened. Mm -hmm. So it started in 2013, actually. Um, I was overweight. I was smoking. Um, I had a really toxic job. Um, my mom was diagnosed with dementia. My dad passed away the same week. So I was really in a bad state, like depressed and mm. in a dark place. And my heart started failing. So the doctor said, you know, if you don't change your lifestyle, you're going to die by the time you're 40. So I changed my lifestyle. I quit smoking on January 30th at 7 p.m., mm. Um, and I remember it to the wow. day. You remember the time? I remember yeah. the time. Oh, wow. Um, I started working out. I started not eating junk food. I ate clean food, uh, salmon, chicken, vegetables, mm. you know, uh, not much bread, bread on Fridays. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> and, and I lost 67 pounds Incredible. by 2016. And that's when Dr. Oshlin you know, he, he was so excited about it. He gave me a hug. He turned to his fellow and he says, it's people like this. This is why we do this. Wow. And he said, you know what, Carrie, you worked so hard that I think that you'll be a good candidate for a transplant. And that was the first time it was ever mentioned. And I remember my mom said the worst thing that was going to happen to me when I was adult would, would, would be that I needed a pacemaker. So I'm thinking a transplant. Mm. You got to be kidding that's, me. That's a little bit up from a pacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Right. So then, um, in 2017, I started getting ill because I was on some medication that actually poisoned my thyroid. They didn't think it was my thyroid. They thought it was my heart because the thyroid was so hyperactive that my heart started failing. They did all the tests to start the transplant process realized that it was my thyroid, took my thyroid out, I bounced right back. I was right back to working out an hour, half a day, you know, in the morning before mm -hmm. work. Everything was fine. Then COVID hit in 2000, late 2019, 2020, mm -hmm. and all the gyms closed. And, you know, like, I didn't have the discipline to try and work out at home. I mm -hmm. did try, but I just you know, I was so down about COVID because I'm, I'm a person who likes to go out, mm -hmm. right? And I didn't like being locked in. Um, I mean, poor me, but, you know, mm -hmm. it is what it is. So, um, you know, I stopped working out, unfortunately. And, and I really think that's what started my downward spiral because in 2021, I actually had a stroke. It was a pretty bad stroke, but uh, they, they managed to save me in time. 
to mm-hmm. that there was no residual effect. Wow. Yeah. And then in 2022 is when I had an episode of VTAC where my heart went to 325 beats per minute, which is actually cardiac arrest. And at this point, I did have an ICD pacemaker, and it shocked me back into rhythm. And that's when my doctor, Dr. Roche, said that it was time for transplant. Mm. And, you know, she gave me a couple of months to see if I bounced back like I usually do because they were so used to me bouncing back. Mm. But by September, I was, I was in a lot of trouble. Mm. I was very, very sick. Mm. So they, um, I spent three weeks in the hospital being tested for everything. Okay. They test you for every kind of cancer. So mammogram, colonoscopy, um, bone density, mm-hmm. like all that. Um, lots of blood work, you know, lots of, lots of uh, CT scans, chest, lung, um, abdomen, lots of tests, mm-hmm. uh, venographs, you know. Um, so I went through the whole deal that took mm-hmm. three weeks. And then um, in November, I had one of those pulmonary edemas that I told you about. And what happens with that is that your heart starts failing and your lung fills up with blood and fluid and you can't breathe. So they have to put you on a BiPAP machine and pump you with uh, fluid retention, like Mm. fluid pills. Yeah. Well, by the IV. It's called Lasix. Um, And give you amiodarone in in IV for it. Like there's about four or five IV uh, medications that they have to put to, yeah. and you're in the ICU. So they let me go home at Christmas, right? Because they wanted me to have, you know, just in case a, mm-hmm. a last Christmas at home. Mm. But but I ended up catching COVID. No, at home? Yes. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't know. Like yeah. I did have a couple of visitors, I'll admit. Um, and I hadn't been wearing a mask because I hadn't had a transplant. So, but yeah, I did catch COVID, which actually put a delay on listing me because I was supposed to be listed on January 19th, but because of COVID, they had to wait eight weeks. So they listed me on March 1st. Wow. And when I had COVID, it turned into pneumonia and I had a pulmonary edema again. And that's what put me in the hospital on January 17th, two days before I was supposed to be listed. Mm. And that's where I lived for four months. Wow. Wow. And the, 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 how, how did it work as far as getting a transplant? And what was it like getting that news? Because you would have been waiting and wondering and hoping, but not sure what's going to happen. And, and then just, I know it doesn't always take either. And so yeah. it was, you know, in many ways miraculous that, that it takes and, and you're so well now. Yeah. So just how it came about, but then the, the process after that as well. So. I was waiting in the hospital and, and, you know, like you're on a list and the person has to match precisely. They have to be the same stature, you know, same height. Weight's not that big of a deal. Um, They have to have the same antibodies as you and stuff like that. So the doctor had said there was a few offers, but they weren't a match for me. So you just wait. You just wait and wait and and you sit there and you try and be as boring as you can mm. because, you know, excitement's not going to do mm. anything. I exercised in the hospital. I did squats, really? walks, 
used uh, tension bands to keep my legs strong okay. and keep my body strong for the operation. Um, yet I kept having these pulmonary edemas um, for, you know, stupid reasons, um, emotional or, mm. or driven by eating because my heart couldn't support my, my digestive system anymore. And uh, then one day the doctor came in and he's like, this is a social visit. Um, can Do you have your power of attorney? I just thought it was more red tape, right? So I'm like, yeah, it's over there. And he's like, oh, this part's not signed. Uh, let me sign it. And I go, okay. I, I, I didn't think anything of it. Like wow. I just thought, you know. And then I was talking to my brother-in-law on the phone and the doctor came back with Nurse Barb, who was a huge support to me, and Dr. Betty, who was a, a fellow. And they all kind of, like I had my curtains closed and they all kind of, did one of these with the curtains uh, and, and they said, you know why we're here. Right. And I'm like, no, like, and like, uh, honestly, I had no feeling. Yeah. I, I had a feeling it might happen before Easter. Um, I don't, I can't explain that, but I didn't know that day. I didn't have a feeling that day. Okay. So this is the 4th of, of April and, uh, Dr. Dr. Alonzo he says, we have a heart for you. We have the perfect heart for you. What did you do? I just went, like, I, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, oh, you know, kind of like yeah. I was excited, but a real calm came over me. Okay. Like, usually I, I would get yeah. one of those pulmonary edemas because yeah. my adrenaline would start sure. running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a real calm came over me. I did ask for two Ativan just in case, <laughs> right, to keep me, like, level. Um, but... Yeah, I just, I was so calm yeah. and they were so excited because Dr. Alonzo was such a support. Like, mm. I can't even say enough about him. Um, he actually was so excited that he personally portered me down to the ICU to get ready. Mm. Right? And I mean, this is the director of heart failure. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so this is a big deal for them too, you know? Yeah, it yeah, was. Yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah. Oh, so. You mentioned about just this this peace over overcame you, Carrie. Uh, faith, I know, was was a big um, support strength for you. Talk, yes. talk to us a bit about how how that was helpful. How your faith helped you through this. How your faith was impacted by this. Your relationship with God through what you experienced sure. in this uh, getting uh, getting a new heart, a new life. So I've always believed in Jesus and God. Um, my mom used to tell me that. When I had the mustard procedure, Jesus was at my bedside and Jesus mm. was in the OR mm. and I always believed her. Mm. So I've always prayed, but I was never much of a church goer. And then when I started getting sick, I was like, you know, I, I have to do more for my faith. Mm. You know, I, you know, cause, cause I need God's help. Mm. You know, I need Jesus's help and, and I haven't been there for them. So I, I need to be there for them too, you know, if, if I want their help. Mm -hmm. And, uh. You know, through connections with friends like my friend Susan, um, and uh, people at at the hospital. There was a gentleman named Stefan. He was part of the spiritual care team. Um, they really helped me build on my faith. And then when I reached out to this church um, for a prayer request, and you guys sent me that prayer shawl. Mm. I wore that every day at the hospital. Wow. wow. I slept in it actually, mm. wrapped in it. Mm. Um, 
and and I read devotionals every day. Um, and my friend Susan would send me uh, quotes and and verses and stuff that were uplifting and and encouraging for me to fight through the um, the whole process. And I would pray every day, and I would collect. I would actually collect prayers and text them to myself, mm. like look online for for good right. prayers that you know, like for help, mm. help with health and stuff, mm. and. You know, I would try and memorize them, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and yeah, Beautiful. I prayed every day, and my 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 faith just grew, and even at the darkest times, like when I was really sick and I had the BiPAP machine on, I I just knew that Jesus was going to help yeah, me. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that's so cool. But just grateful for that. Grateful Thank for your you. health, and just also for this beautiful. A relationship with with Jesus, that Jesus being—I love that image of Jesus being with you yes. then and now in that hospital, and certainly as you enter this new life that you've been you've been given. Well, I have to believe my mom, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely. My mom would not lie. To me. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, we we were talking about unsung heroes a, a little bit. Yes. Um, you mentioned Nurse Barb and Doctor Alonzo. Oh. What did what did they do specifically that was so helpful for you? Nurse Barb. Um, when I was sick in 2017 is when I first met her. Um, she always was supportive of me. Um, she would stay in touch with me. She um, would visit me if I was in the hospital. You know, she would come and check on me. Uh, sometimes she'd bring me treats. And she would just be there for me, you know. Um, I could talk to her, you know. And she, it's funny, she would always show up at the right time, like meaning that if I was having one of those pulmonary edemas, mm. it's not like she knew, mm. but for some reason she'd be swinging by my room to check on me, mm. and 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 you know she would keep me calm. Um, sometimes if I needed a procedure, which you know I have a lot of medical anxiety, she would come and hold my hand while mm-hmm. they did whatever they needed to do, um, like a pick line or stuff like that. Um, she's just been amazing, mm. right? Now, Dr. Alonzo, he's the director of heart failure. Um, he, I don't think he ever stops working. I think he works 28 hours a day. Hmm. And he was always at the hospital, and he always came to check on me. And I just remember one, one particularly bad pulmonary edema. I was thinking, okay, that's it. They're going to take me off the list, like, in my mind. And, he's, and he knew I was thinking that. And he's like, Carrie, focus on me. He goes, don't think like that. Just look in my eyes and breathe and breathe. And, 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 and he was like, he believed in me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, my other doctor, she, uh, she wasn't so sure. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not putting her down for that. She was a great doctor. She got the ball rolling and, and, you mm-hmm. know, she was very supportive and she was always happy when I was doing great and stuff. But sometimes I think she would panic a little when she saw me really sick. Mm. And she told me that she thought we missed the window mm. um, of opportunity for, for transplant and put me on a partial do not resuscitate. And Dr. Alonzo, he always believed in me. I always felt mm. like he believed in me. Wow, wow. You know, there's so many um, definitions, so many rationale for what makes someone an unsung hero. But as you're talking, Carrie, I think definitely those people who believe in us and give us that kind of confidence and hope. That's amazing. Oh, oh yeah. 
Well, thank you, Carrie. Just an incredible story. And thank just you. feel on uh, like we're on sacred ground, holy ground here, uh, you know, as, as you share. We'd love to say a prayer for you oh, before sure. we close. Cool. Let's do that. Yeah, okay. Let's do that. Yeah. Mm. Oh, God, we are. We're, we're, we're always on holy ground when you're on your you're on your ground and just feel that today this is this is just a, an unbelievable beautiful incredible miraculous story we we thank you for not only giving Carrie life but giving her her new life a, a new heart a, another chance and we thank you for the hero that she is to us the the resiliency resiliency that you have given her that she has shown and exhibited over all these years but we also thank you for the unsung heroes that have supported her all the way along, her her parents, her sisters, her family, friends. We, we thank you for um, Nurse Barb and Dr. Alonzo and, and just the, the the little things that, that they did, um, the big things like believing in Carrie and supporting her so so fully. So we, yeah, we thank you for those we've named and those who we haven't, who absolutely are, are, have played us a significant part in, in Carrie's life. We thank you for the unsung heroes in our lives. May we all be inspired to reach out to them and give them thanks as we hear this today. And ultimately, we thank you for the beautiful gift of life that you bless each of us with and that new life that we have in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again, Carrie. No problem. So much. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Good News Podcast. Always, always great to be with you. We're, we're excited about this uh, this series unsung heroes hope you can join us next week as we explore another amazing story that will inspire and encourage us all thanks so much everyone okay carrie said something in this conversation that absolutely intrigued me um grabbed me just just maybe really stop and think wow that's that's special for you to say that and that was the the part i mean there were so many parts like that in this conversation this this is incredible it's almost too good to be true. It's almost surreal that this this could be that that someone could get a a heart transplant and and not only survive but thrive the way that Carrie is. Like she is she is so full of life in in so many ways. There's such a good future that God has prepared for her. But but, but the one part that really hit me was when when Carrie said I, I started to ask the question instead of why me, why not me. And, and that, that's a very interesting spin to, to me. I, I think we live in a world where it's, it's easy for people to, to just stay stuck in their own pain and brokenness and, and ask the question, why? And understandable so, understandably so, life can be really hard. Um, we all can do it. I know I've done that at different moments in, in my life. But what I love about Carrie's response to that is, no, 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 it's not why me, it's why not me. There, there is a reality of, of pain and brokenness in our world. Life is hard, not just for her, for me, but for all of us. And there's a just sort of an acknowledgement of that in, in that question. But then also, okay, what, what does this make possible? What might God do in the midst of this pain and challenge that, that I've experienced or am experiencing. So just a beautiful spirit that, that that shift in questioning can can really take us down a new road, a different road. And so men, yeah, Carrie's been given a new heart, but she's been given even more than that. She's been given a new life, a, a new mindset, a new spirit. And so how exciting to be on this journey with, with Carrie. I want to say thanks again to to not only Carrie, but to the unsung heroes in, in her life. She mentioned um, so many from her parents to, to the doctors and nurses that cared for her, to her, her family, her sisters. I'm sure there's many, many others. Thank you 
If you're hearing this, maybe you're a friend on Facebook that has encouraged Carrie over the the past year especially. Um, You know who you are. Thank you for being an unsung hero in Carrie's life. But also want to mention the donor. Someone gave their heart. Someone intentionally donated their organs. Um, And as a result, not only does Carrie have new life, but but there's a number of people who who have experienced new life because of that. So want to encourage us, if we haven't already, that this is a, a great thing for us to do too, that when we're not able to use our organs to recognize that God has created a world where the medical, incredible medical uh, teams that, that are able to do this can can use our organs to give people who might otherwise lose their life a new life. Uh, that that in itself, I, I think, is encouraging and exciting and inspiring and just encourage us to, to think about doing that ourselves as well. Uh, we give thanks for these things and man, we're just so blessed. Blessed to share life with you and uh, these conversations with you. Thanks for being a part of the Good News Podcast family, friends. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Good News with Jamie Holtam. And if you subscribe, then it will make sure that you get noticed whenever a new episode is released. We deeply appreciate you and grateful that we get to share these kinds of conversations together. God bless you and be with you. Can't wait to see you again real soon.